Hello! And welcome back. Like, start high and fade late, like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Wow. Hello! You're so obsessed with the Leafs. They're an interesting team. And they're kind of like our rivals. And I've been watching Steve Dangle more than I had in a while recently. I feel like um, in the past year or two, I've like tried to watch less other hockey content. So I'm not like regurgitating stuff that like Steve Dangle is saying or the hockey guy is saying, which sucks because I, I miss watching the hockey guy videos. But you know what? I don't have the whiteboard anymore. So people can't accuse me of just being the hockey guy, but <laughs> New York. But how are you guys feeling after our last, our latest four games, uh, feeling feeling pretty good, Sterling. How are you feeling? You go first. I mean, it's a good thing recency bias is a thing because we've had a good past two games, so mm. pretty pleased. Yeah, yeah. I so they did the thing that Islander fans joke about, which is they lost to the bad teams and then they showed up against the good teams. That seems to you know like show up every once in a while the last couple of years, but. You know what? I can't complain when they're winning really, really big games. The Columbus game um, was frustrating. Um, taking the positive out of it, you know, they gave up a bunch of goals, which isn't great. One of them was a Michigan, and it's like, what are you going to do? That's it's that's a lot of skill. I don't know how you defend that. Um, I'm sure at some point teams will find a way to defend that. But, I mean, like, it's not like it happens every five minutes, so – you don't expect it. I think it was Sebastian Ajo um, who was like watching it. And it's like, yeah, of, of course you're guarding the front of the net. You're not expecting the guy to lacrosse it. So I can't really blame anyone there. Um, Ilya in that game, I don't think it was anything egregious. He just wasn't making like the big, big save in that game. Uh, but the Isles did fight back and getting a point out of that game was frustrating. Uh, it, it was great. It was also frustrating, um, you know, we're tied at four, 20 seconds left. Andrews Lee takes a penalty in the offensive zone. It's, it's just not a very smart play, getting the stick up that high. Um, yeah, not a great penalty. They lose. You, you didn't feel like they deserved to win anyway. Um, so you just come out of the one. Like, at this point in the year, it's a point. It sucks, but uh, it would have been worse if it was regulation. Back-to-back, second end of a back-to-back, traveling back New York from Ohio. Um, uh, I want to point out their opponent, Buffalo, was also on a back-to-back the same day. Yes. So yeah, that's that's why we can't really give the Islanders any credit in this game. This was <laughs> yeah. just a really brutal game. The Isles uh, looked like a team that played a second game in two nights, and Buffalo didn't. I was uh, there cheering on my brother on the ice crew, and for me, I was uh, there that was the, also that was the highlight of the night. And I, was also, I was also there. I was cheering on Tom, who was cheering on his brother. We were signing autographs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a Belmont yeah. Bunch meetup. Uh, it we was were the just only actually there. me and Tom. <laughs> yeah. I it met was Tom, just a meetup for us. It was a yeah. closed meetup. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, that was a pretty brutal game. Um, first period, they, they looked real bad. Second period, they started to get back into the game. And, you know, once it got late into the third and it was still nothing, nothing or mid midway through the third, I was there with my parents and I was just saying, like, uh, you know, you know, it's going to be like a broken play. You know, it's going to be a tip in something from out high. And it was pretty much that it was a 
Uh, puck that deflected right onto the stick of, of course, Kyle Oposo. It's always got to be a former Islander. Um, and he shot at home. Sorokin had, or sorry, Varley, who played very well in this game, very well, made a big save in a two-on-one. Uh, I think it was in the first period. And yeah, I like, you know, I, I think some people were questioning the deployment. Maybe you have Varley go against Columbus. It's a philosophical thing that some teams like to have like it's almost like overkill. It's like you want to secure that two points against Columbus with your best goalie. And then if you don't get any points against Buffalo, it's not like the end of the world. They end up only getting one out of four points. Um, But I don't know how much I could put on the deployment of the goaltending there. That's just it. I feel like at this point, like obviously Sorokin is miles ahead of most goalies in the league, but I'm still – happy enough with Varley's play. And I think it's better than most backups. Okay, I'm sure well, like two things, oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. two things. One Varley was probably distracted because it was Nickelodeon night at the Palisium. He was probably yes. really excited. Um, <laughs> trying to avoid the slime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, I think this is a good point for Sterling to chime in. So Sterling, you have a controversial opinion, some tweets that I saw you getting some, uh, some heated replies at. So, yeah. So what's your, what do you think should have happened with Varley? And yeah. like, where does it leave it now? Leave us now. Yeah, I think people misinterpreted. Maybe it was poorly worded, but Varley played fantastic that game. Don't get me wrong. I think he's been great. However, I think at the trade deadline, that's a move you got to make to trade him for maybe a second round pick. I think looking at the market, maybe a first is available because we knew we're fighting for a playoff spot. We're going to play Varley maybe three times the entire rest of the season. He's already played twice. He's 0-2 in them. Not his fault the team scored one goal in those games combined. But if you put Corey Schneider in that, nothing changes in those outcomes. So just looking back on it, you know, he's only going to play three games. I don't know. I feel like I would rather start to pick up some assets for next season because at least to me, I think we could be really competitive next season, but we're not really gearing up for that right now. It seems like we're making a weird push this year, even though I don't think this is the year to go all in. So I just think maybe it would have been best to get that pick. And, you know, we needed to hold on to him. We've gotten zero points out of that. So I think. The well, pick wait, was what's, worth is this it. the last is, is, this is the last year of Farley's contract? Yeah. yeah. See. So what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think they're going to re-sign him now because I think if they were fine with getting – like if they were ready to cut ties with him, they would have traded him. Um, them holding on to him, I don't really see them, you know, not pursuing him in free agency now and, and like having to find a backup. I think with the Islanders' um, philosophy with Lou right now, I think they like to bring back the guys they they like. You know, like Parise, uh, man, I want to see another year of Parise. Real bad. 20 goals, more than 20 goals now. I want um, I want to see Andy Green come back. I want to see, <laughs> you know, bring the, yeah, the crew uh, Jason Shamara and and <laughs> but uh, I I think so I I you know, at the time, you know, it it was looking real dark and I was uh we were talking about, you know, move all the UFAs and I got to give Lou some credit because I think um, as fans nowadays, we're and I'm including myself in this, like we're I think we're too future focused sometimes. 
And I have to give Lou some credit that I think when we had left this team for dead, I mean, p- partly for him, it's like, you know, what are you going to do? Rebuild? Like how, you know, how much longer is he going to be the GM? And it, it, it is starting to feel like he's going to get an extension, you know, like a year or two to like see out the end of this core. Um, and I, I'm really curious to see what that looks like. I think he's actually earned it now um, with the trust in the team bringing in uh, since they brought in Horvat, they've been really good. Um, obviously that isn't like a one-to-one correlation. Like Sorokin's been unbelievable in the time that they've had Horvat. So that helped it. But um, yeah, I'm going to give Lou some credit and say he saw something still left in this team when I and many others had given up on them. And where I think this relates to Varley is, like I said with Parise, they, they're, they're getting really good bang for their buck with these older veterans that are just like, yeah, I'll stick around. I like it here. And I think with Varley, you could get a real good hometown discount. You know, right now he's making 5.5 and it's probably like, Oh, it's a little bit of, you know, much for a backup goalie right now. Next year, you know, I can't imagine he's like, he's not going to approach 5.5. I've seen some people wonder, you know, with the hometown discount, you know, Parise is playing on league min for us and giving 20 goals. If they could get, I'm not saying league min, but if they could get Varley back on like two years, two million a year, that's like, that's a pretty good steal. Um, and it's not, Super easy to find a backup goalie that's actually dependable in the league right now. Um, and, you know, there's nobody currently ready in the system as they wait to see what some of the guys in Bridgeport and Worcester, the ECHL team. Um, so I'm actually okay with it for now. Um, if they had, I will say, though, if they had made a trade, Barley to L.A. Uh, before L.A. got Corpusalo, if they had made a trade where it was Varley to LA and we got Phoenix Copley and, and, you know, obviously that would probably hurt the return because you're getting a player back. We'd have to get a goalie back because there's no way they would run with Corey Schneider as backup for like a, a, a good amount of time. So they would, I think if we had sent him to LA Varley, we would have had to get back like Phoenix Copley and probably not get as much in draft capital, probably like, like a third back, which isn't, bad um that's not the way they went and uh we'll see you know come playoff time if Sorokin does get hurt like that's gonna put a big damper on this team but I think the difference in Varley versus Phoenix Copley I think you would see a big difference there come playoff time you know Phoenix Copley being a guy that was mostly uh backup and an AHL guy the last few years versus Varley who's been like a, a legit good starter so um it's not what I believed at the time. You know, we talked about it. Like I was okay with trading Varley. And now I'm kind of like retroactively happy that we didn't. And um, yeah, I, I I think that like it'll leave us in a good spot cap wise next year to get another veteran that's here and happy and on a cheap deal. So it could work. Okay. Out. So then two, two notes. One, uh, this is how long has Lou been the GM? How many years? How long, like in total or no, just no, no, for, just for the Islanders. Um, he's been here since uh, the year Tavares left. So I think the first year was 18, 19. Okay. Yeah. So that's five years. Mm. So that means that we've learned five times that we shouldn't judge Lou <laughs> and his moves before we get later in the season until yeah. the 
at least until after at the day after the trade deadline, we can actually start judging some of Blue's moves. Yeah, and even like people were like, people yeah. were losing their minds, but the year that we got uh, Pajot, which was I think twenty nineteen twenty that yeah. season, and like because they made that trade the like like the night of the trade deadline, and so uh, people were like, he didn't do anything. It's terrible, blah blah. And then bam, we get Peugeot. And then we lost a bunch of games, but then, you know, then COVID happened. Um, but Thank God for COVID. I always say. <laughs> yeah. I always... yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. So Lou, um, you know, gets a lot of like reactionary, uh, you know, hmm. anger directed at him and stuff. And then it ends up, I, I mean, I guess like, sure, it might not be the best moves in the long run, but that's, I, we, it's impossible to know. Um, it's, it's always, it's, I'm not saying this is always true, but it, it with Lou, it feels like it's never as bad as the worst feelings you have, and it's never as good as the best feelings you have. He's got a team type that he is stuck with, and it's the gritty, not based on stars um, team that he's had the whole time he's been here. Hey, man, that's the money ball aspect of it. You know what I mean? If you want the stars, yeah, you're going to have to pay and, him like stars. I mean, I got to give him credit. And, and also, you know who I, I – I, I talked about it last week, but I want to re- reiterate that Lane Lambert has like mostly done uh, a really good job as the years gone on. I understand a rookie head coach. I think because we felt like we we're in such a weird spot to start the year where it was like, you know, you just fired this hall of fame coach. Um, nobody really felt like it was Trotz's fault last year. I, there were people frustrated with Trotz. I should say mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. wasn't, there were people that were completely, uh, fine with the firing, which in retrospect looks like it was like kind of a retirement from coaching more so than now that he's going into management. Um, so I think people can retroactively stop being angry at Lou for firing trots because it. Wow. Another appears. reason to stop being angry at Lou. <laughs> well, I think it, to me, it appears that, um, you know, and trots didn't take any other job right after that. I think trots was ready to take a seat for a year and wait for the Nashville job. Um, and I'm happy for him. So good for him over there. Maybe he could trade for Josh Bailey in the summer and <laughs> do his old team a solid. Um, but yeah. You know, they watch Josh the- Bailey will somehow end up being getting a freaking Stanley Cup yeah. with Nashville. Um, so we so, okay. continue with the games. So, well, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just want a chance for Sterling to respond. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so, so yeah. What do you think about what Tom said? And, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll split it to Lou and Trot. So the Lou thing. What about Varley? We all want to hear about your thoughts on Varley. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Varley. I guess it's not the worst non-move in the world. Like we're going to be fine. I think next year, even not having that third or second or whatever, we're going to be okay. Like you said, most Lou moves, non-moves, whatever. They work out fine. I still think it would be a nice to have, but not essential. Wait, now, so then what would we do for goaltending if we traded Varley for next year? Like, do you think you, you would have like, wanted to use that pick for a goaltender? Well, I think with Varley, I think you could get him back in free agency. If not, if your deal is, uh, you know, a third, fourth, and Phoenix Copley. Yeah, I agree. Varley is a much better backup. But we have one of the best, if not the best starters in the league. I don't think we need to be tandeming anymore. And frankly, at least this playoff run, you know, 
without Sorokin, I don't think this team comes close to a cup. I think he's been carrying us all year. Not to say Varley couldn't carry us in the playoffs, but that would be a massive blow. Um, I think you could get him back in free agency. If not, you know, there are some backup options. At the end of the day, we need to be upgrading our forward core. Um, it'd be nice to have some assets to do that. Um, we don't need assets. Luke, We've, we have Hudson fashion, <laughs> baby. We do have Hudson fashing. That's that's a remarkable story this season. But in terms of the past few years, I I agree with what you're saying about Lou. I also think COVID saved him really hard. 2019-20, we'll never know what happens if we make the playoffs or not. The year after, we got put in the CEZ division. So you never know. But this is a team, like you said, that is a grinder-type team built for the playoffs. My big problem with the roster construction was we can't get into the playoffs usually, but this season looks like we might do it. I'll wait until the playoffs are over. You know, we'll see what happens there. If it's a first-round exit, then, you know, maybe have some work to do. But maybe Lou is right all along. I sure hope so. And then with Trotz, I think Trotz is the second best coach in franchise history, maybe third behind Jack Capuano, of course. Yeah. Um, but Mr. Italian think, sub. Yeah. Uh, Lane Lambert has done a great job and he's addressed some of my concerns with Trotz last year, like playing the veterans too much. Besides that weird decision to play Bailey versus Buffalo, I'm mm. very proud of him for not going back to him. And I don't think Holmstrom is any anything great either, but he's much better than Bailey. So I'm happy he's relying on young. Uh, Trotz was struggling a little bit there. And you know what? When Barzi went down, he showed us that he could play the defensive system too if he needs to, which is great come playoff time. Mm -hmm. So I have faith in Wayne, uh, and I think he'll only get better. Yeah, I, you know, I'm curious – I agree, like, the Josh Bailey decision in the Buffalo game, like, just was a head-scratcher for me. I I think that game I might mean, have it was Nickelodeon fine. night. He's a dad. I mean, <laughs> you guys are really, like, not understanding the concept of Nickelodeon night. That's fair. <laughs> That's, fair. That's fair. I think, you know, maybe was the thought the last time you see Josh Bailey in an Islander jersey has to be Nickelodeon night. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. have to think about these things. These exactly. are important things. <laughs> yeah. But this I, is I, the I, element of hockey that people don't appreciate. <laughs> yeah, that's the human element. Yeah. Slime <laughs> element. But I think, yes, that was an annoying decision, and I think we were punished for it. And obviously, look, no, no loss is really going to be on one player unless it's the goalie and they play like shit. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, like, they, they looked very discombobulated. I don't think putting Simon Holmstrom into that game means, oh, it's a 5 nothing win for the Islanders instead of a 2 nothing loss. But um, it's really funny with Holmstrom. I, I So I feel like this this happens with every fan. You fall in love with, like, one role player. And for me, it's kind of turned like, – look, it's Hudson fashion. He owns my heart. I'm a fashionist. For Hudson fashion. Context. Um, with Holmstrom – I. I see some uh, chance for something to be there. Um, he's shown uh, not a ton of offense, but he can score. Um, his main attribute is that he's very stable defensively. Um, and he's very young. So I have a lot of hope. 
that I think he might be like a shutdown, like middle six guy uh, in the future. So I have a lot of hope there it, for this year. Um, you know, like I, I, I want to see him keep playing, um, but it does feel like he's going to continue to be like rotational based on, you know, how, if the team's scoring or not, because they can afford to have him in the game if they need defense, if they need scoring, it's like, I don't know, but like how much, how much more scoring is Josh Bailey adding? Like almost nil. So I don't know with that, um, the forward depth right now, you know, it, it, it's funny. The mid, the bottom six was really powering us through those big wins. Fashing, Sezikis, Clutterbuck, um, Martin, even though he's not scoring, Martin's playing well. Um, I I really think, you know, like Horvat obviously has really struggled. And for me, it didn't really stick out until the Buffalo game. I thought he was real bad in the Buffalo game. Or was it the Buffalo game or the – yeah, yeah, it was the Buffalo game. I, yeah. I thought he was really bad. It felt like he turned it over a bunch and uh, he just like – I don't know, his confidence seems low. Big for him to get the empty netter in the Devils game. Um but the top six isn't even playing that well. Actually, Angval's playing very well. He has like seven points in his last nine games. Um, who else in the top six? I mean, Brock's been consistent all year. Um, 69 points. Nice. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Um, but the yeah, like this team isn't even in its final form yet. You know, like I, I am going to get irrationally hyped if Barzal is ready for the playoffs with this team going in playing well and Sorokin playing at Vesna level. Um, I, yeah, I, I am letting myself get carried away. And I'm I also think uh, just cause you didn't mention him that, you know, Lee has been playing like his old self, more like his old self, you know, like I think last season when he was uh, wait, was it last season? No, two seasons ago, he was injured. He, he had the yes. problem. Yeah, so last season it seemed like he was still not 100%, you know, either whether it was a confidence thing or still, you know, whatever, something from the injury physical. But uh, yeah, so because he's actually third on points be, mm. behind Barzal, who hasn't played in the last, whatever, 10 games or something. Yeah. So, no, Lee, Lee, what is he approaching 30 goals? Uh, he has, yeah, 27 goals. Wow. Mm. 27 goals. He's number 27. Yeah. He has 22 so, assists. You know, uh, it feels like it hasn't been exactly in the way that it's usually been with like tip ins. Yes. I, yeah. It's been um, a more of a mix. Which is fine. Which is fine. Yeah. Hey, you're scoring, you're scoring. Um, I know he could be a frustrating player. I've talked about it, but when he's hot, it's fun to watch. Like he just finds a way to score. Um, oh my God. That, I'm sorry. That's just, Oh, I know I completely derailed this conversation. We are going over the games. We only got three. Hey, you them. know what? But I don't, I think it was worth it because I don't know yeah. a lot of people that are talking about like Varley and goaltending right and now. And those so are the original takes. Those are the original takes that you get yes. from Belmont Bunch. So <laughs> um, the uh, the last thing I wanted to say was you just made me, you just like, I, like unlocked a memory or something. Cause you said, Oh, when he's hot, he's hot. Like talking about Anders Lee. And I was like, Oh, I haven't heard that in a while. Cause everybody always said that about Beauvillier. You know, yeah. he was like, oh, well, I mean, he's a streaker. I mean, look at Beauvillier came out scalding hot after he got traded. And I haven't heard too much from him since. I haven't. The Canucks have been on. playing pretty well. But there's a phenomenon. I mean, every year you have teams like that, that like once the pressure's off, oh, we're all of a sudden we're great. Like, you know, I think that's what separates teams like the Islanders um, and the Bostons and Carolinas from, you know, like not to get on Toronto again, but like Toronto seems to like, 
start to feel the pressure towards the end of the year. They have some decent wins recently, but some really bad losses. Uh, the, the Florida game, they could have stomped out Florida season. Um, they gave they lost to Alex Lyon. So that is not encouraging going into the playoffs for Toronto, who will face Vassy. So that's a little bit different than Alex Lyon. Um, I still am not convinced. Um, you know, the, the East is going to be a bloodbath. And the teams in the East, I feel like, are very well-balanced. Um, and, and like, As there are teams should. that have the heaviness that the Islanders do. You know, Tampa Bay brought in Tanner Janot, and they're already a pretty – greasy team in the playoffs um which is a kind way of saying cheap but like a lot of teams are cheap in the playoffs because the rule book gets a little cut down in the playoffs um boston is going to be a tough team again carolina is just like a good all-around team like i i toronto i still it doesn't seem to matter who they bring in uh simmons ryan o'reilly um you know muzzin muzzin's hurt they they brought in great guys, Noel Achari, this year. And it just I don't like we gotta count ourselves a little bit lucky as Islander fans that the bottom six has been as good as it has been. And like come playoff time, you're gonna need that because like other teams' top lines are gonna shut down your top line and it's gonna come down to, you know, Joe Piscopo in your fourth line. I meant to pick a random name, like I meant to pick like a Joe Smith name, and I <laughs> chose an actor. Um, <laughs> not just an actor, but like an actor that'll ma- make me sound like a boomer. Uh, so okay, so let's talk about the last two games of the week. No, um, no, okay. So no. we ha- we had a, a so we the Islanders. I think they played a uh, after the Buffalo game. Thing. After the Buffalo game, they woke up. They had an amazing game against New- the New Jersey Devils. That was a, one of the most fun games. At least, well, actually, they had the Toronto game the previous week, which was mm-hmm. really fun too. But so this was a very fun game to watch against the Devils, who have been doing great, uh, you know, this season. So um, I don't know any thoughts about that game. Uh, I, you kind of briefly mentioned it. You said Horvat got Horvat got the empty netter at the end, mm-hmm. which you know hopefully kind of get him going a bit. Yeah, Sterling, um, what'd you get out of the Devils game? Yeah, I was really worried going into that game after those two losses. Looking at our schedule, is going to be tough, but. Uh, lineup-wise, we saw Anders Lee on the third line just to get the first line going a bit. And looking at him play the past two games, I saw the first glimpse of, like you mentioned a few weeks ago, a $7 million fourth liner, Anders Lee. <laughs> uh, not to say he was bad on the third line, but just his offense was limited by playing in that role. So anyways, we start off with, Kyle Paul Murray having an incredible game, uh, driving to the net on the first goal, and Engvall taps it in. So I got a bit worried there, you know, the Engvall curse scoring first. And then we had a shorthanded goal against, which was a terrible goal against. Nelson just had a really soft pass. Dobson read it poorly. No one was doing anything well on that play. So you know, a little reason to be nervous, but Kyle Palmieri saved the day again. He got two goals in the second and third period. Uh, really nice backhand play in the second period. Um, you know, hopefully he continues his hot streak. And then just in the third, just, you know, bending but not breaking. I thought we were pretty good in the third, but Devils had some chances. Sorokin stopped them all. 
two empty netters, and Zach Parisi got 21 on the year there for league mint. So I thought that was a great game. Little worried about Washington because, you know, we're good against the good teams, bad against the non-playoff teams. And Engvall scored again first in that game. Awesome. Uh, Soft goal to give up, I'm not going to lie, but we take it. And then we just played a good defensive game all around. They only scored one goal. Granted, we didn't score much either, but the miracle finally happened. Not only did we win in a shootout, we scored two goals on (laughs) two attempts, which was just magical. And Washington, I know their record doesn't show that, but they've got a really good shootout lineup. I mean, Kuznetsov with his cheat code move. You got Oshi, who is an American legend for killing Bobrovsky. And no, Sorokin did what he had to do. And looking at tonight's games, Pittsburgh won, Florida won. That's a big extra point we got when I was just expecting one. So very happy about the past two games. Mm. And let me rain on the parade. Let me not be <laughs> happy. So, you know, um, I look, at this point in the year, I, I'll i take the points and run. The <laughs> Devils game was probably like the scoreline, my goodness. Did we actually play like we won 5-1? No. no. <laughs> Ilya Sorokin had to work. And, you know, the Isles all, you know, like two empty nets definitely makes it look better. Uh, but man, like it to me felt like we, like Sorokin stole that game. And that we weren't necessarily terrible, but like, um, you know, basically Sorokin had to be Vesna cal- uh, caliber again. Um, and he was. And we won. And I'm not going to question it too much. I Look, do I want us to play a little bit better? Yeah, I mean, the even though we won the last two games, we didn't look like especially great. I don't think it, at really any point in either of those games. But um, like you said, they're, they're bending, but they're not breaking. I think uh, an encouraging thing is going into the playoffs. I think Adam Pellick is back up and going again. Uh, I noticed that during the Buffalo game, he was one of the only guys that I thought in the Buffalo game was like, wow. Like he's he's showing like he's got a good showing tonight. Um, I feel like the Pelly poke is fully back in effect, um, and that's encouraging. And that means this team will probably you know be good in terms of defense in the playoffs as well. Um, they've got the goalie firing on all cylinders. Their top defenders getting back. Alexander Romanov has been really good recently. Um, Ryan Pollock's been pretty good recently. Though um, so I guess the one area of worry is. Um, Samuel Bulduk right now is not playing much. Um, and I never thought I would say that we really need Sebastian Ajo back. And it's not really that Ajo is like amazing, but he's held his own this year. And I, you know, I don't want to overtax our top four defensemen right before the playoffs. So we kind of need Ajo back. So the line uh, the ice time can get a little bit more spread out um, because the last couple games, like, Bull Duke is not playing a ton, which means other guys are playing more. So, look, that's not, like, a crazy thing. That's just, like, something that I'm looking for us to tidy up. I mean, there's not much you could tidy up about it. Like, you just hope that Ajo's ready. Um, I wonder if, like, they'll give a chance to Parker Watherspoon again for a couple games. Like, not even just – not even because Bull Duke's been bad or anything, but to 
just to give guys chances uh, down the stretch. It's I look they're the Islanders in the push that they're in are going to play sheltered minutes for like inexperienced guys down the stretch. I'm just hoping Aho comes back so that it could be a little bit more balanced. Otherwise, that's not too bad. Uh, very fun to see them win a shootout. Of course, like two weeks before the end of the year, that's hilarious. Um, that's not something we have to worry about in the playoffs. Thank God. Um, and I have oh with the Kuznetsov penalty shot that you mentioned, I wonder um, if at some point, being a baseball fan, which just implemented the pitch clock, if they'll implement a shot clock for the shootout. Like for the shootout right now, the only hindering, the only rule basically is like can't go backwards. The puck can't go backwards as a skater. Um, I wonder if the NHL ever goes, all right, this is getting a little ridiculous for like how long the guy, uh, like Kuznetsov, how long it took him to get up ice. But you know what? At the same time, I was against the pitch clock. I was against the shift change in baseball because I think it's a natural outgrowth of the game. And the koozie penalty shot is a natural outgrowth of telling guys to use their skill in the shootout. So I don't know. I, that was something I saw on Twitter and I was like, Oh, I'm going to bring this up and then not side with it. Um, I'm sure Barzi took that long. and be fine with it. Um, so, Oh, and the, the capitals game, um, they only got three shots in the first. Um, I think it's not actually nice that Kemper, like, oh, what a great opinion. It's actually nice that we scored. But I think it's actually really good for the Islanders to have that. Like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff now that you're looking at and you're like, you know, how is this going to go in the playoffs? Um, we only had three shots in the first period of the Caps game. And then we just throw one in net in the second period and it goes in. Um yeah, sometimes it's got to be like that. So maybe that'll remind the guys like, hey, you know, like goalies make mistakes. You got to throw the puck on that. Like if the puck's not going on that, the goalie doesn't have a chance to make a mistake. Um, you know, come playoff time, I think that'll get less and less because the competition's going to be really good. Unless you're playing Pittsburgh, uh, in which case just toss it on the net. It's going to go in. You're going to win. Uh, that's the only team in the East where I'm like, that team's screwed. Uh, All right, so you know, if they play Boston. They're just cooked. So, okay, so, um, two things. I think the interesting idea about like a shot clock for a shootout, but I, I think there would be, what would be the justification? So like for baseball with the pitch it's clock, just, in baseball, it's the, the speed, speed of the, of the game. game. But for like, if you're in the shootout, the game's going to end. Like it's, you're already at the end of the game. I think it doesn't argument, happen every game. So the argument in this case would be that for the goalies, you know, like you're kind of just a sitting duck. And you're all you're already a sitting duck, but like the player has so many. I mean, I guess you know can't go backwards. I don't know. It's not really. It's not like that's like like in baseball. Like games have gotten really long, and so there was an actual thing. It was like, hey, we'll cut down the time of the game. I still don't like it because I like like part of the. I like baseball. Like people like golf. I like the relaxing laid back nature. Mm. And then I love the difference in the playoffs when every pitch is gigantic. And I don't mind the time in between pitches in baseball because I think it in the playoffs, it like builds up. It's like the whole crowd screaming. It's one and one uh, with a runner on second. You're down by one. Um, you know, like I love that. Um, and I get different things out of different sports. Hockey, I get amped. Baseball, like – 
today being opening day, it was just like uh, relaxing. And also like the Yankees won very comfortably. So that was nice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but um, I don't, I'm not in favor of like adding a shot clock to the shootout. I, I think it would only happen if players started really abusing it. And I don't feel mm. like that's like it's like rampant. Yeah, yeah I, I would actually, be pretty surprised. There's probably bigger have, things than you guys to worry about. Yeah, definitely. But I have a different take on this. I think goalies are not doing nearly enough uh, to adapt to Kuznetsov. I've watched a bunch of his shootout attempts, and every single time the goalie gets drawn into a spell or whatever, and they just play passive. They go back into their crease. Sorokin did it yesterday. I- I'd like to see someone try to get aggressive, go for a poke check. And I don't think once I've even seen him go glove side. And it always seems like he's going far side uh, to the blocker. So no goalie is even attempting to adjust. Uh, obviously, they're an NHL goalie. I'm not. So they're, <laughs> they're reading it however they're reading it. But instead of adding a shot clock to the shootout, uh, this is my opportunity to say I don't like shootouts, and I've always been against, um, you know, eliminating them and going to a tie if you have to. But this year, I'm just watching all the shootouts, and it's just clicking how dumb it is to end a game like that. I, I would really take overtime, and if it doesn't get settled there, then just have a tie, because it, it really has nothing you built on in the game uh, continues to the shootout. It's just random. And I don't I don't think that's how you should end a game. I, I think the shootout kind of came out of a, a lot of things that the NHL does is to try to like bring in new fans and be like, wait, it's actually cool. And for the shootout, I think it was trying to capitalize. Uh, first of all, I think it's like, basically just made to be a top 10 play on ESPN, which is not really very relevant anymore. Um, So, you know, the NHL behind the times a little bit on that. I mean, but when it was implemented, it was like a different time. So I get it. Um, I'd be interested. I'd really like to see, I don't know if the league would let this happen, like a player's poll of what players think. I did see recently that players would, would be fine with like 10 minute three on three. And I think a lot of people would be okay with that three on three. Of all the things the NHL has changed over the years, I think three-on-three is one of the better additions to the game rather than four-on-four in overtime. Um, It has that same, like, it emphasizes skill kind of like the shootout, but still in, in like, game mode rather than one-on-one. So I think, you know, like, if you asked 10 fans, um, I think, like, nine of them would probably just want more three-on-three. Um I'm sure there are uh, like I don't hear it very often, but I'm sure there are shootout supporters out there. Um, but I I kind of agree. I understand the worry. Also, is probably like, whoa, if you have a game the next day, like, and you're already in over. But look, the three on three overtimes they do sometimes turn into track meets, but sometimes they're really boring because the teams play them very carefully. Um, so ten minutes, like they've already. I'd really like to see the numbers and how much they've cut down on shootouts. Um, since they added the three-on-three rather than four-on-four. I guess that it's fairly significant because it doesn't feel like the Islanders play as many shootouts as they used to. Uh, And I'm fine with that. I mean, we don't have Franz Nielsen anymore. So 
Like when we had Franz, it was like, hell yeah, let's go to a shootout every night. And watch Franz either go with his backhand to destiny, um, which is what my fantasy team is named after. My team's called the Danish backhands um, or, or go five hole. Kind of like you said with Kuzi. I wonder if people will start to adapt and then Kuzi will develop a second move because that's what Franz Nielsen did. Franz Nielsen had that backhand. And then, like, guys were like, okay, I'm going to start playing the back end. And then he started just throwing it five hole. So the guy's are already getting ready for the – and it's through his legs. I loved yeah. that so much. Also, Franz Nielsen, favorite player ever. Um, yeah, but cool. You know what? I think we've done a good job of, of, like, mixing it up this week because, like, the games were I, – I don't think there was anything especially crazy. Like, you know, we I mean, had – Nickelodeon night was pretty crazy. But, you know, Nickelodeon night was pretty crazy. But, you know, other than that. <laughs> you chose that game. <laughs> no, no, no. One Not the game, season. but the Coliseum. It, I, oh, my God. It's called the Coliseum. UBS <laughs> I did the same thing, was right? buzzing. Oh, man. Yeah. That's pretty what much it. It was buzzing. And by buzzing, it was everybody in unison going, oh, brother, this guy stinks. <laughs> but talking about the whole team, except for a few. But they so, were not saying that about the ice crew. They were like, this no, ice crew is the best great. darn ice crew I've ever seen. Tip top. Yeah. Every TV timeout on time. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame the viewers at home didn't get to see him. Mm. They got to uh, start in between. I say during the TV timeout, have half the screen be the TV timeout, half the screen be the ice guys. Mm-hmm. Going like, yeah. I agree. Okay. So anyway, so yeah, it was a pretty mixed bag, I guess. But it's also, what I was going to say, is, I mean, it's getting near the end of the season, obviously. We have six games left. So why don't we talk a little bit about the games that are left. Um, if I remember correctly, I believe, Tom, you said, so we're playing the three upcoming games we have are Tampa, Carolina, and Tampa. So you said this would be an interesting test about how the Islanders really will look, assuming, you know, they stay in a playoff spot. So we'll talk about upcoming games and then uh, and then <laughs> updated uh, power, uh, uh, updated playoff, playoff percentages. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So actually... If you remembered correctly, I believe that I said we're going to find out more about Tampa. Oh, that's right. Yes. Because, and I was talking about this with Sterling before uh, you hopped on, but um, I, because I'm so, so curious about, um, I I, I love picking brackets. I actually won my NCAA bracket this year. I was the least shitty uh, because everybody was bad this year. Nobody in my whole bracket of 14 guys had a single final four team right. Yeah, wow. I had Texas winning it all, so I won my bracket by being the least shitty. Um, but so f- come playoff season, I am I'm like so so interested in like these matchups uh, and how like regular season seems to bear nothing on them. Like you know, we had a few years ago. I think the Rangers went like four zero and zero against Carolina, and then Carolina swept them in the play in in the bubble. Um, so I, I, I've always been fascinated with these playoff series because they're wars and not every league has a best of seven. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess basketball, although basketball now has like a play in too. But like yeah. having best of seven every round, every series is a freaking battle and it's so much fun. I'm so hyped uh, for the playoffs and I've been keeping an eye on Tampa because we we – it's not very often that you absolutely know who you're going to play, you know, far out from the playoffs, but Tampa and Toronto are going to play. Um, like we pretty much know that. And I have been watching them both. Um, and I'm really curious, you know, cause Toronto, 
Toronto, if, if skill won playoff series, then they would have won already uh, since 04. And it's, it's fascinating to me that their team build, you know, like it is very top heavy, but how have they not figured? I think they're the first team in like North American sports history to lose uh winner take all games in five straight years in the playoffs. It's unbelievable. So you feel like it has to turn at some point, but then you've got the juggernaut in Tampa. So it's, it's, you know, it's going to be probably one of the best series of the first round. Um, it, it's funny because last week I was saying both teams are kind of on the downturn. I still think it's going to be really fun. I think right now Tampa Bay is starting the round back into form. They won easy tonight. They won easy earlier in the week. They've outscored their opponents 9-1 in the last two games. They're starting to get back, and that scares me. Um, my console will turn off automatically in five minutes. Sorry, I left Halo Infinite on. I apologize. Um, Sorry, we wouldn't but, have known unless you said something. Yeah, so, well, I'm all for just telling the viewers how it is and mm-hmm. where I'm screwing up. Now my Xbox sounds like it's trying to kill itself. Can you hear that? No. No. It sounds like it's on fire. All right, well, keep but, us posted. Um, if anything yeah. changes the sound, no matter how small. It is on fire. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm really curious. Tampa Bay starting to look scary again. Um, you know, the games against the Islanders, I don't know how seriously they have to take them, only because – so they're definitely in a playoff spot. I, home ice looks like it's gone for them. In the Like, yeah. Toronto's probably going to have home. Toronto's four points up with two games in hand. They're Like, so Tampa pretty much knows where they are. They don't really have to, um, like, try in those games at all. But I'm, you know, like they're trying to get back into form for the playoffs. They've started to do that. I'm curious to see if they rest anybody uh, in those games, uh, because you know, for them, they know the ultimate goal is the cup, not you know, regular season game number sixty nine. Haha. Um, so you know, for the Islanders, we don't have that luxury quite. And we're still three points up on the top wild card. I think Islander fans would agree this playoff is going to be a juggernaut anyway. But if you can be the uh, the top wild card and avoid Boston early on, that'd be nice. It's just a bonus. Uh, Carolina still an extremely good team, but they're without Smechnikov. Maybe you can get to them. The goaltending, like they have two goalies that get hurt very often. Um, although they do have a good third goalie in the minors in Kochekov. That guy's actually really good. So um, I don't know. That seems unfair that one team has three good goalies. But moving on, um, yeah. I, for the Islanders in these games, uh, if they take two out of three, I mean, they're basically going to be in, right? I, our magic number is like nine, so I don't think we'd literally clinch. But I mean, we're really getting down to it. But what they do have to keep focused because at now it's like, let's not just get in. Let's get the preferential seating. Um, so, yeah, it's a weird in-between now. So they're, they're not they're not really playing for their lives anymore. Although if Florida had lost to Toronto, then we'd be all the way in on like, oh, yeah, we're not playing for our lives. We're playing for seeding. Maybe it's good. Maybe it keeps the boys fresh. Uh, Not fresh. Maybe it keeps them mentally, you know, ready for playoff hockey, seeing as they've had to play at like a crazy good level in the second half of the season. Um, So, yeah, if they if they come out of these next three games, two wins, I'm going to be ecstatic. That's a fair take. I I think I feel the same way. I want to split this weekend at the minimum, which is still tough 
task, but two out of three would be fantastic. Um, and then I don't think Florida and Pittsburgh are going undefeated the rest of the way. So that definitely helps. I think for us, uh, yeah, it's a good test for Tampa. Again, they're playing Toronto, not really a big defensive team. So I don't know. This would be good to see if they could go far in the playoff. I think for us, again, we just need to get in. And somehow, like in 2021, I picked Pittsburgh to beat us in the first round. I think we we got shut out or very close to shut out by Michael Hauser from Buffalo two nights in a row. And everything was looking gloomy. But game one, the, just the team figures it out. Uh, I don't know if that's the veteran presence on the team or whatnot. But we do still have work to do. Um, getting two wins in the next three games you know, really takes the pressure off. And it looks like we're going to get in, but like looking at the schedule, it's really once we're done with Tampa, uh, there's just three games left. So you don't want to blow these games because we're definitely not in. Florida can make a push right now, and we don't have much time left to come back. So let's just keep taking care of business. And then do not choke to the bad teams like we just did at the end of the season. Yeah, that is curious because, like, we just talked about a week where we lost the two games you would have thought we won. And then we won two games that you might, you know, you didn't know. And um, their remaining games, it's like all or nothing. They're playing playoff caliber good teams or Montreal and Philly. So, like, look, you have to have to beat Montreal and Philly. And like now it's frustrating because you can't like I was about to say like well you can kind of like rest assured like you've got two wins coming still left. You don't know. <laughs> like <laughs> end of the year teams like to play spoiler. None of these teams that are tanking, the players aren't tanking. The players are going out there and playing for their lives. Um this is their job. So um like, you know, it's the GMs that are trying to tank where it's like, oh, yeah, I'll put Tom Carrozza on the fourth line. It's like, no, Tom Crow's, Tom Crow's on the first line. Mm. <laughs> Get run over. <laughs> no matter what line. But, but um, I'd rather be on the ice for 10 minutes a night rather than 26 if I'm going to get killed. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just um yeah. so just they, imagining they, they, that. now they're in an interesting spot now in terms of like keeping focus where uh they can't let themselves get too far ahead of themselves like they've done a lot of the work they just need to basically dot the i's and cross the t's or dot the t's and cross the i's that would be bad I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to read. Uh, anyway, so moving on. I can't read. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that sounds totally reasonable. Like, uh, I'm definitely going to be probably trying to pay more attention to Tampa and Carolina. Like, how how good they seem, not just against the Islanders necessarily, but, like, how 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 much they're in playoff form. Because uh, is it? Let's see. And we're going to get to see Who's... Carolina's best because they're still fighting to win the division. Wait, so who if we play uh if we play yeah, we would it, right now if like the seating was set, we would be playing Carolina. 
if the yeah. playoffs started, right? Yeah, okay. So see, um, I yeah. wonder. I wonder. They're definitely not, but maybe they should be trying to lose so they could like play the Rangers instead. I think that's a much easier matchup for them. For Carolina, uh, like versus yeah. us. Yeah, them versus us. Yeah, I. I mean, like, I. I think there's some. You know, look, I'm sure Ranger fans would be like, well, we're 11 points ahead of you. But first of all, you like kind of throw out the records in the playoffs. And look, teams just have learned you don't want to run into a like a Vesna caliber goalie in the playoffs. Um, Shesterkin obviously can do that. You know, it hasn't been as smooth this year uh, as last year, but last year was also pretty much as smooth as it can get for a goalie. Um, so, yeah, I mean – I don't think there's really any team outside of Pittsburgh that a team in the East goes and like seeks out right now, you know, like we're not going to have the situation where the Islanders um, down the stretch and in 15, 16, we're like trying to avoid Pittsburgh and trying to play Florida. Um, Like this year it's, it's, I kind of like it better like this because it's like, you're not going to see guys rest because teams are trying to find a spot in the standings the Islanders are trying to win to keep their spot. Nobody's trying to lose the fall back. It's great. It's a perfect spot. Jersey is still trying to win because they can win the division. And the Rangers are still trying to win because they could still get home ice in the first round. Um, Toronto and Tampa, there's a little bit less there. So those teams can afford to rest guys. Um, Boston pretty much. No, they know they're playing the eight seed. Um, but yeah, I like the uncertainty with this many, like, with not a lot of time left in the season, teams still have to trot out their full lineup. And we're not going to see – I mean, look, I play fantasy too, so I don't want to see teams rest everybody. I have Marshand and Lindholm on my ESPN team. These don't rest – I mean, they're going to rest them. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I like it when we get a natural situation where teams just can't afford to rest guys because we get to see the best players rather than just like Alex Lyon. <laughs> that obviously he's there for different reasons but like yeah yeah, like, yeah yeah i am i'm happy with the situation that's developed in the east it's funny that in the west um i feel like the wild card there is getting a lot less talk but it's turned into a race um because winnipeg calgary and nashville are within three points of each other that's fun like i don't know the the west is not getting as much talk this year because i mean everybody's talking about the islanders we are every week yeah. Um, but actually I do feel like the Islanders are getting a lot of press recently because they're turning into that team where it's like, I don't want to play them. Like the teams might still beat us, but like Boston is probably like, can we just play Pittsburgh and beat Tristan Chari? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm also, I'm sure there are some Boston fans that are actually like, I'd rather play the Islanders because then we won't have an easy round one. And You know, if we win, be ready for round two. But look, you can find every opinion everywhere. Opinions are like something. I don't remember. Uh, okay, so on that interesting note, let's... <laughs> um, I do let's, remember. Yes, yeah. Uh, but, you know, with Nickelodeon night being this week, you don't want to say any bad words on the podcast. Uh, so, updated playoff percentages. Um, I mean, it's kind of like we could probably even calculate like the actual the actual percentages right because like you know if they lost all six games you know and pittsburgh how many games would pittsburgh have to lose you know in florida uh to like to keep us in our spot or in the playoffs so 
Um, so yeah, I, so Tom, you're at a thousand percent. All right. Well, well obviously well, you're not a hard enough fan because I'm at a thousand and twelve percent. I said two thousand, sir. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Uh, I have to listen. Sterling, where are you at? Yeah. Um, on a scale of zero to a hundred, I'm gonna go with ninety. Only by virtue of Pittsburgh being Pittsburgh. I think, you know, I said, oh, you know, take care of Columbus and Buffalo and that's skyrocketing. Well, we didn't. Um, So there's that. Mm -hmm. But I was watching the Pittsburgh-Detroit game and yes, Tristan Jari came back tonight and got a shout out. But the stats don't really say this, but I feel like this is historically bad goaltending on their part. Jari and Smith are so bad. I wonder if they should have tried playing Tukarski a bit because they're the only reason Pittsburgh is not so solid in a playoff spot right now. They're definitely not battling with Florida if they have even Matt Murray from a couple years ago. Um, they've, you know... They did poorly their past couple games, finally got a win. So I think this is three wins in their last nine games. I think we need to take care of maybe two-thirds of our games, um, and then the rest should pan out just because of them. So for the six games, you think we got to like have four solid wins? Four wins. If you get three, you're probably still fine. Okay. So that's what, so yeah. So if we split the wins, you're like, so let's say we split the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're still at a night. That's what like is putting you at a 90%. Yeah. Because if we split the games, our magic number is three. So you're just looking for two losses and then you're in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. They really, uh, they don't have to do a ton. They've done most of the work. You know, if, if they win two out of three in the, the next three games against three, you know, two playoff teams in three games, um, then it's got to be like 99 at that point if they take care of those games. So I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to put us at like, I'll put us at 85. I just said 70 um, before this four-game stretch. And, um, you know, it's it's funny because I think in my head I had gone through the schedule and said win-win for the back-to-back and loss-loss for the next two. Yeah. So it's the same effect. Um, yeah. And I think, the, yeah, look, this team is eight, three, went eight, three and one in March. Uh, so they're playing at a pace that's going to get them in. And now like they got six games left. They could probably just split them and get in. Um, yeah, I just hope they just got to keep focus. Uh, just keep playing like they're fighting for their lives. It, I, I guess it, it's gotta be a little bit harder to do. I'm not a professional athlete. I know it's surprising given my (laughs) stature. Um, I'll try to sit up a little better. Um, But yeah, they've done most of the work. I wonder how difficult it is to have done most of the work and then just to see off like the last few points. Basically at this point, just to avoid like a a historic collapse. Like, because we're getting to the point where it's like, wow, they've got really good odds that have to really screw this up. I've seen teams yeah. do it before, but this team, it feels like they're in a good spot. feels like everybody's checked, um, you know, checked in. Everybody's playing hard. 
And, you know, if they get Horvat going and they get Barzi back, like, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my mind. Uh, I'm picking right. this to win the cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I think that's it. I mean, I think we're kind of like, I think we're all on the same page here, uh, you know, and we're going to be watching these games intensely. Hopefully having to play and, and to get in, to make sure that we get in you, I guess like the theory is like, you want to make sure that you're, I was going to say, make sure that you're hot getting into the playoffs. I don't know if that'll quite be the same thing. It's just kind of more like a, quite the same thing as getting into playoff shape, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, so anyway, yeah. So we'll see. Very very uh, intense. This is probably the most important week of hockey coming up, I would say, for the Islanders. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I will maintain. If we I, need I, the last like point, or if we need like one or two more points for the last game, that is like to, to like actually get in for whatever reason. That will be the most important game of the year. I will, but I will yeah. say, like, if they had not win, won the four straight games against like all those teams that they needed to be, like they wouldn't be in the spot. Mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. the biggest week of the year is what I'm saying. The the week where they went 4-0 against like the four teams they were fighting with. And it was just like, guess what? Detroit, you're done. Buffalo, you're done. And like, that was Capitals, just really cool. You'll be done in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. So very impressed. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it's like a combination of impressed by our guys and like, wow, everybody else fell the hell off. Like Detroit, remember Detroit was like, on fire and by points percentage yeah. ahead of us. And then they were like, Hey, we're going to never win again. <laughs> and then like, who else did that? I mean, you had Detroit. Was there anybody else for a spell? Ottawa. Ottawa, Ottawa yeah. was on fire for a stretch Buffalo. I mean, but all of those teams, basically Detroit, Washington, Buffalo, Ottawa all had a stretch where it was like, wow, these guys are going to get in. Uh, and even in and, and Florida who are not done yet. Um, but like all those teams, had their stretches, the Islanders have been able to sustain it a little bit longer. James, you said this week's the most important week. Mm-hmm. But wasn't wasn't Nickelodeon night last week though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Now it's all downhill because like, yeah, that's true. Play for they, what are they gonna do? Like a Disney Channel night? Like, come on, that's just lame. <laughs> they can't up <laughs> Nickelodeon. What night. if it comes down to the Islanders have to win the last game to get in, and they're like, "Oh, emergency Disney Channel night." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They have all the players use their hockey sticks to make the yeah to make the Mickey Mouse. Uh, Hi, I'm Andrews Lee, and I'm your captain. <laughs> You're watching Islanders hockey. Uh, actually, so this is um, uh, just something Andrews does it with his chin because the Nickelodeon night was <laughs> was back was the second half of a back to back. So we're playing Tampa, and then the next day, less than 24 hours later, we're playing Carolina. Um, so that's a, that's a terrible back-to-back. So I guess, right. Like you hope you just win one. Uh, and then we have a three day break before we play Tampa again. So like, you know, like everybody will be fresh there. So, um, so yeah, so this is the most important week of the hockey season. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Although I didn't even notice the Panthers played again tonight and they won. And so, oh, all right. Hey, that'll, you know what? Maybe that's good. That keeps the Islanders like, oh, these teams won. Got to. Got to win again. So, yeah, that's good. I actually kind of like that a little bit to keep the fire going. I'm sure I won't like it if the Islanders lose two more games than the other teams. Can. <laughs> All right. Yeah, right. Okay. Motivated us enough. Stop. This fire is a little too strong over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, yeah. and I mean, like, uh, oh, my goodness. Did you guys see the Ottawa 
Flyers game. I didn't watch any of it. Ottawa outshot the Flyers 46 to 11. Do you want to guess what the final score was? 5 4 oh. Ottawa in overtime. Oh. Holy crap. Ouch. Uh, the Flyers had four goals and 11 shots. My huh? goodness. That's- that is bad goaltending. That is Senators hockey, baby. Oh, the <laughs> Hurricanes lost too. I paid like no attention tonight. I was playing. <laughs> I was I was trying to beat four straight boss battles. Talk about pacing in your game. How about <laughs> maybe not three straight boss battles? Oh, I gotta kill the elite. All right, all right, all right. Ash- Thank you very much, everybody, for listening and watching. Thank you again, Sterling, for being our uh, continual guest throughout the season. You'll be known as the this season guy Early of the three stooges <laughs> that is Belmont. Bond. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, well, I get to be Mo. Uh, James is Larry. No, Mo. <laughs> Who's the main guy? Mo. Oh, all right. That's that's got to be Mister Bunch. <laughs> all right. Thank you again, guys. We'll we'll see you next week with more with the next week next most important week in Islanders yes. history. All right. <laughs> Yes. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye.